This is Stephanie Nelson, host of the Pivotal People podcast. We have great conversations with all kinds of interesting people who are making a difference in the world. Follow us and leave a review if you like this episode so that more people can find us. Thanks for listening. Well, welcome, Laura. This is Laura Smith. She is joining us today on the Pivotal People podcast because she has been pivotal in so many people's lives. I recently met Laura through her husband. Her husband is a professor at Miami University, actually a chairman of her department. And I graduated from Miami University and I got to know her husband. And I asked her husband to be on the Pivotal People podcast. And he said, yes, but he said, do you know my wife? And I didn't know Laura. And I am so excited that I asked her husband to be on the podcast because now I know Laura and you're going to know her. You're going to love her. She is a best-selling author. She has written 10 Christian books in various categories. She is a speaker. She is an amazing Bible teacher. I watched a video of hers and I would recommend it to everyone. Go to her website, laurasmithauthor.com. I'll have it in the show notes too. Uh, She has some wonderful downloads on her website. One that I printed immediately really helps us understand how to read the Bible. Super simple. If you're not a regular Bible reader, it can change your life. And Laura's easy download If you are a Bible reader and you'd like someone you love in your life to understand that, it would be a great gift to someone else. And the best part is it's absolutely free. So I am going to stop talking because I really want you to hear from Laura, but Laura has a new book that's just out today, and she's going to talk to us about it. It's all about bringing the Psalms to life. So Restore My Soul, The Power and Promise of 30 Psalms offering much-needed comfort and hope for others who are feeling broken and scared in a strife-torn world. I think we can all relate to that. So welcome, Laura. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to get to know you. Also, I'm so glad that Brett introduced us and I'm so excited to be on your show today. Well, thank you. And can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I Very briefly, but I mean, all kinds of things. You're a mother and you've had a past career. So why don't you tell us about yourself and how you became an author? Sure. My husband and I live in Oxford, Ohio, which is this just picturesque college town, you know, because you went there, but it's all brick and ivy and farmer's markets and just gorgeous. Um, They're actually filming a major motion picture here this week, which is so fun. All the trailers and film crews are here. We have four kids, girl, boy, girl, boy, a 23-year-old daughter, a 20-year-old son, an 18-year-old daughter, and our baby is turning 16 next week, which is crazy. (laughs) Brett's a professor. I am a writer. I was actually originally in marketing. We were both marketing majors here at Miami and I did marketing for a major shopping mall company. And when I was pregnant with our first child, Brett and I went on a walk and he looked at me and said, what do you want to be when you grow up? which was hilarious, right? Because we are married. We have a house in the Atlanta suburbs. Um, We're about to have our first baby. We both had big careers. And this, what do you want to be when you grow up was a really interesting question. And I confided in him that I'd always wanted to be a writer. I had never told anybody because to me, it felt so unattainable. Like to me as a little girl, total bookworm, total like book nerd. To me, being a writer was the ultimate. That was like saying I was going to be president or like, 
Taylor Swift or whoever you think is the end all. Like to me, that was ultimate. And I was too embarrassed to tell anyone because I just thought for sure they'd laugh at me. But I was like, why don't you do it? And I was like, well, I, I can never write. Like why, how, how could I do that? Like, he's like, well, why don't you just write something and see what happens? Like, and I'm like, well, you know, I gave him a million excuses why I couldn't. And he shot down every single one. And as, as God works in our lives, it's really wild. But as we got closer and closer to ha- the time to have the baby, it was apparent that I wasn't going to be able to keep the job I had and have this baby. Brett and I both traveled all the time for our work and we lived really far away from any family and we just couldn't leave a baby in a crib while we both traveled the country. That didn't seem that like a wise work. idea. They don't like it when you do that. No, not so much. And it was back in a time, I mean, this was 23 years ago when there wasn't job sharing. There wasn't this option to work part-time in the position right. that I had. There was no online. Um, you couldn't Zoom in for a meeting. You had to tra- travel there to, to do it. So I decided to stay home because I, I just really didn't know how this was going to all work. And a couple of weeks after having her, we got in the mail a something from Georgia State University. We lived in Atlanta at the time that they were having continuing ed classes for adults. And one of them was a creative writing class. Oh. And Brett was like, like this is, it was actually at their branch campus, which was five minutes from our house. And he's like, just go and see what happens. And so I went and I started writing and I started by writing some short stories for things like Chicken Soup for the Soul and other anthologies like that. And God was good and um, gave me some success there. And then I just kept going from there. So here I am chasing my dream, living the life, um, doing the thing I always wanted to do. And you were able to do it. I'm sure I don't, you must've had some short nights of sleep, but you were able to do it while raising four kids. Yeah, well, it was, um, there were certainly different stages of that. So there was a lot of writing during nap time and when they went to bed, because they, you know, little kids go to bed early and then I would always get a babysitter at least one day a week. So I could have some writing time and just kind of juggled it around their schedules. One of the great things about being a writer is you have a lot of flexibility in what hours you work. So um, I just would write when, when I could. (laughs) Well, and you're a very good writer. I have read of couple of chapters from your previous book and a little bit from your online writing, because you also have a fabulous blog, a great website with great resources, and you're being very humble. You're not going to tell everyone. So I'm going to tell everyone her last book, which was called how sweet the sound, the power and promise of 30 beloved hymns. It sold over a hundred thousand copies. And for someone who isn't a writer, I'm just going to tell you right now, that's huge. That is like a massive bestseller. I have a lot of friends who are writers and, you know, it might be between 400 and a thousand copies of your book that you sell. So for someone to sell over a hundred thousand, not only is that a great success for you, Laura, but more importantly, look at all the lives that touched. I actually got it on Kindle. I got your book. I got this book on Kindle and I was reading it last night and what I loved about how sweet the sound was you took a hymn that I, I mean, you list the words of the hymn, each chapter, she lists the words of the hymn and then relates those words to our real life, you know, like makes those words come alive. And the funny thing is, as I was reading the words of the hymn, I knew the tune. This is, you know, music is so ingrained in us and it takes us back to what we were experiencing at the time. But so many times when we sing a song, we really don't, I, at least I don't really 
feel the words. So Laura took that and she translated it into something that was very real for me. She really made those words come alive, which I suspect is exactly what your new book is doing with the Psalms, right? In the exact same format. Yeah. It's 30 Psalms. I took my favorites and then sprinkled in a bunch of others to make sure that I was showing a range of different Psalms because the Mm -hmm. Psalms are so cool that they Mm -hmm. really show all the emotions, you know, you have joy and fear and grief and the psalmist aren't afraid to bring any of that to God, which is a good reminder to us that we're allowed to bring all of our emotions to God. And so I wanted them all well represented. So there's 30 psalms and with each one, the psalm is at the beginning. And then there is a story about how this is relatable, yeah, to either my life or current culture. Like these psalms were written about 3000 years ago. And it's wow. so amazing to me how relevant they still are to the things we're going through. They talk about, you know, we've got the war in the Ukraine now. They talk about war mm-hmm. going on. We feel isolated after COVID. There's psalmists that are feeling isolated left and right. The last psalm is a whole psalm of celebration and joy and dancing. And I think of this season of, you know, graduations and summer and, you know, the 4th of July was yesterday. And so we still celebrate. I think there's just, it's so cool to see how relevant these psalms still are. And then I also take another part of the Bible that relates the same message as the Psalms, because I love the Bible and it's so cool that it's true. Every word of it is true. So it's consistent. So in Psalm 23, Mm -hmm. it talks about the Lord is my shepherd. And then Jesus talks about, I am the good shepherd. And in Psalm 40, it talks about that God lifts you up and puts you on the rock that'll keep you firm. And then in Matthew, Jesus tells us, I am the rock that you can build your life on. So um, as it goes through each chapter, yes, the psalm is there and how biblically that affects our lives, but also that the Bible tells us that consistently that that is true. It's not just the psalms, that that is truth that we can find throughout the Bible. And I love it how you, so many times people think the Old Testament, the New Testament, you know, the New Testament wiped out the Old Testament. That was the mean God. And no, it's, it's pointed us to Jesus throughout it. And I love how you connect those two. And that's what, you know, the whole idea of making the Bible real. I mean, as you said, it might've been 3000 years ago, but people were going through this. That's what amazes me when I read the Bible, they are going through the exact same things we do. That's amazing to me. They're the same relationship issues, the same. I mean, Jesus talks about money more than anything else. I mean, it's like nothing changes. And so what a, you know, I call it the life manual if we really understood it and dug into it and weren't intimidated by it. One of the things that you talked about, I think I read this on your blog, but one of the things you talked about, which so many of us can relate to is that whole idea of performance. I mean, we all fall into that. I mean, you fell into the performance trap in high school and college and hopes of proving that you were good enough. And then one day your story says after college, God broke through with the truth that you were not only lovable, but deeply loved. And if everybody could experience that, what would this world be like? Mm -hmm. And, you know, how for you, I I appreciated your openness and your authenticity in talking about that. How did that happen for you? Yes. So growing up, I'll be honest, my dad left our family several times. And as a little girl, I felt like I wasn't good enough, that that's why he must have left. Like as a little girl, you don't understand that he must have his own issues. Right. And so every time he came back, I thought if I can just 
be get better grades, if I can just do my chores better, if I can just fill in the blank, then I will earn his love, earn his approval and make him stay. Um, And every time he left, I believed that there was nothing I could do to make him stay, which is true, but not because of me, but because of what he had going on. And Satan likes to sneak into our circumstances and tell us lies such as you're not good enough, Laura. Like no one will ever love you. And that was a lie I learned to believe, but that's not what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us Psalm 139 is so beautiful, but it starts with, you've searched me, Lord, and you know me, you know me when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar, you discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. So God knows everything about us, the good, the bad, the ugly. He knows that thing that we did that no one else does, that thing we're ashamed of, that thing we're worried about, that thing we're scared of, that thing we're embarrassed about. And then it goes on to say, but you hem me in behind him before you lay your hand on me. Like God knows everything about us and he's there. He he never leaves us knowing that stuff. He's not going to abandon us. And then Psalm 139 continues. These are verses that are familiar to a lot of people. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. God's works are wonderful. We're wonderful. Stephanie, you're wonderful. Everyone who's listening, God knitted you together stitch by stitch. He put this in you and that in you. And that thing that you love that no one else really understands, God put that in you and that's awesome. And if you're quiet, God made you quiet so you could listen better. And if you're the life of the party, God made you the life of the party to bring joy to people. And if you love books, he wanted you to like really understand words. And if you love to crunch numbers, he gave you that gift because the word people don't know how to do it. Raise his hand. Um, Like I, I just like God puts all of that in us and he thinks we're wonderful. And that's, he knows all of this and thinks we're wonderful. And that word fearfully, I love the Hebrew word there actually means awe inspiring. So God thinks we are all awe inspiring. Like we walk in the room and God's like, yes, she's here. And we just don't walk into rooms like that, but that's how God sees us. So I think if we all like stopped listening to the comparisons in the world of, oh, well, she has this and they have that. And I think of even like going to weddings in the summer. And sometimes you're like seated at a table with a bunch of people you don't know. And you're like, oh, they're so well-read and they're so well-dressed and they seem to know everyone at the wedding, but I don't. No, no, no. Each of them is awe-inspiring and so are you. So you have something to add to the table. Your voice matters and so do they. So it's just this awesome, beautiful thing when we realize the truth of the Bible that God loves all of us and thinks we're all super cool. Then we can embrace who we are and use the gifts God's given us. And we can really cheer on and celebrate other people's gifts and how, how they're different from us. I mean, I'm hanging on every word you're saying because you are so fabulous. <laughs> I wish I was in, I wish I was in a Bible study of yours. I imagine being at the Miami campus, you probably have been with a lot of college girls or other women, but as you're talking and I'm thinking, you know, the whole comparison thing, right? We all do this. I'm 58 years old and I'm ashamed to say I do it. You know, I hate that, you know, it. I'm listening to Laura like, oh, you're a great speaker. I'm not going to stop it. Laura's a great speaker. How wonderful. I get to listen to Laura as a great speaker. I don't have to be as good of a speaker as Laura. I can, you know, if there's something else I probably do. Actually, I make a great chicken salad. If you ever want chicken salad, I'm your gal. You're Um, also a podcaster and I'm not. Like, (laughs) hello, you have your own podcast and I don't. So I think that's super cool about you. We should be, and we'll talk about that next. But what's interesting to me is the whole idea of not only talking about your, I love your visual of the people at the table. 
not only saying, okay, I do have something I could offer, but guess what? I'm not going to be jealous of those people. I'm going to be happy for Andy Stanley says this, you know, if there's something that you're envious about, turn it around and say, can I appreciate that? Mm -hmm. Can I appreciate that? Can I appreciate that? That person tells a better joke than I do. I'm going to enjoy his joke. I'm not going to try to compete with him on telling jokes. Or can I appreciate that, you know, any other little thing? And I found that's helpful for me to turn it around and say, instead of saying, I have to be this way, how about saying, how fortunate that I get to be with this person and enjoy this part about them. And I'll tell you what, that to me is like taking a weight off my shoulders Mm -hmm. when I can do that. And that's really, what is that? That's loving other people, right? Yeah. You know, if we can love other people, that's a lot easier than being envious of them. And that's easy to say, you know, as I sit with my quiet time and my Bible and my cup of coffee, and I have all these nice deep thoughts and write things in my journal, then I go out in the world where they have these people, you know, these people. And it's harder. Um, Yeah. It's harder, but you talked about a number of things in your book. And it's, again, what I appreciated about your writing was that you make the Bible relevant. So in your book, in Restore My Soul, you show again and again, how relevant the Psalms are for today. You talked about that. But what are a few of the reminders from the Psalms that can help us in our world as we're dealing with, especially now we're dealing with wars, we're dealing with, you know, the pandemic that seems to go on and on and this whole divisiveness that we have, Yeah. you know, where do you go in the Psalms to say, this is how God wants me to be in this? Yeah, no, that's good. I've been clinging to Psalm 16 a lot, which is really a, a very desperate place. I know that through the pandemic and um, the shootings that have been happening, the racism, the war in Ukraine, like there's a lot of scary things going on in the world that just like, I can't get my mind around by myself that I can't understand. And Psalm 16 starts with like, keep me safe, my God, for in you, I take refuge. And I keep reading. It's like, Lord, you alone are my portion in my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord with him. I will not be shaken. I'm not strong enough to understand all this. I'm not smart enough to figure it out. I, I can't, I can't stop all these things from happening. I can't save the world, but I can cling to Jesus. I can stand on him. I can keep my eyes on him. And when I do, then I know that I'm okay. Psalm 23 is so beautiful. It starts, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Uh, some of the translations are, I don't need anything. Like for all the things that I think that I need, like if I have Jesus, I really don't need anything else. Because in the Psalms, it promises that his love endures forever. It promises that if we fall down, he'll pick us up. It promises that he'll hem us in. I love Psalm 121. That's his, he is the night watchman who will never slumber nor sleep. The sun shall not smite me by day nor the moon by night. Like God is never going to leave us. He's never going to give up on us. When we don't understand what's going on, I'm so grateful he does. And I think the Psalms just bring this security to remember who he is, that he never, that he never leaves us. And he always loves us. That's so reassuring. Yeah. And in the midst of all this crazy, to me, that's the only thing you can hold on to. Yeah, And that, you know, I have to say kind of what I 
hold on to is that I can't understand it all. You know, our, he never said we could understand it all. I always in first Corinthians 13, when it's like, now I see in a mirror dimly, then face to face, he says our little human minds can't possibly comprehend the reason for all of this. If there is a reason, you know, is it just that it's a sin, sinful world, the broken world, yeah. broken world. And these things happen. And, or does God have a, you know, redemption at the end for, everyone who's hurting. I mean, that's what I hold on to. So he does, which is great news, have redemption for everyone at the end. And yes, how it's going on now. uh, Yeah, we don't understand. And can you imagine like, if we thought we were on the same playing field as God, like that we could understand everything, then why would he be God? Like, then he would just be one of us, right? Like, of course, he knows more than us and can see more than us. I always think of him as having like this huge view of the whole world. And I can like see my little writing office here, right? Like, like That's right. I feel like um, I I read something recently I loved, which was, you know, we, first of all, I've let go of needing to understand it. That first Corinthians 13, I read that soon after I became a Christian in ninth grade. And I have just, that's always been my fallback. Mm-hmm. I can't understand it. I'm not supposed to understand it. Right. He made it really simple. He said, love me and love everyone else. I can't make it much easier for you people. Right. Well, okay. He could, he can't make it much simpler. It's right. much it's harder simple. than it's it not sounds. Easy, exactly. It's simple. It's not easy. <laughs> But I read something recently that said it takes more blind faith to believe that there is no creator of this amazing world than it does to believe that there is. Yeah. It takes more faith to say, no, I don't believe this. Um, And then when you say, okay, okay, so I believe there is, then that's when the curtains part and there's this whole beautiful world on the other side of that. It's like we can get stuck in do I believe it or not? Is there really a God? These awful things have happened. Why has he allowed these things to happen? You're stuck in that. Is there really a God thing? And you're missing the whole beautiful world that exists after saying, okay, you know, in Mark, Bob Goff says all the time, Mark nine, the man who says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. There's always going to be a little bit of unbelief. That's a little bit of faith that we have. But if we could just get past that and open the great big curtain and see this wonderful you know, it actually experiencing joy and contentment and peace. That is what I consider the ultimate gift that he's given us, even in the midst of all this awful stuff. Yeah. For like sure. you said, he is never going to abandon us. Yeah. He is always going to be with us. Yeah. And someday we're going to know why all this crazy has happened, yeah. but we don't have to understand it now, but we have to love through it. Right. Yeah. Love ourselves. Well, love God. Well, and love others. Well, and being divisive, this whole divisiveness. Andy Stanley did a great sermon. He has a new book out called Not In It to Win It, which is all about as Christians, we're not being very Christian. We're not really representing Christ well if we're saying pretty ugly things about other people because of whatever our world beliefs are. Right. And so he's a, yeah. Anyway, so loving well, as, and as Bob Goff says, you know, it's easy to love the easy people. That's not what he asked us to do. He right, asked us to love sure. the hard people. But Jesus did it so beautifully, right? He never asked us to do something that he didn't do himself, right? Like Jesus loved Matthew, one of his disciples who was a tax collector, which I know we like to think like, oh, an IRS agent. No, that's like saying a pimp, right? Like in their culture, oh. like think of the sleaziest person you can think of. That's how they saw tax collectors. And Jesus is like, come on, Matthew, follow me. Be one of wow. my elite crowd. Right. Like um, that we, you know, about the Samaritan woman at the well and like 
who would talk to a Samaritan, who would talk to a woman. And we don't know her history, but it wasn't, you know, culturally normal. She had had several husbands, but was that because she was traded in a sex slave or, you know, was, was she abused? We don't know, but she was not someone who most people would be like, oh, I want to hang out with her. Right. And Jesus goes right in. He knew she was going to be there in the middle of the day, hiding from other people. And he's going to love her. Like, I don't, he just, he showed us how to do it. So simple, not always easy, but he did do it for us. So we have a model for what that can look like. I love that. I'm going to be quoting you on that. That is so good. Everything you've said is so good. So I'm going to be listening. Jesus is so good. (laughs) Isn't that true? So I would love for you to tell us like where to find you, how to find your books and anything else that we can find. I've mentioned a couple of things on your website, but I'm sure there's more there than I've been able to find. So I am going to start following you and I've loved these words and but I would like everyone else to follow you too. So we'll have all of these details that Laura's about to share with us in the show notes. But Thanks. No, tell um, us if, where to find you. Sure. I, if you want to hear me talk more about how great Jesus is, um, find me at laurasmithauthor.com, which is L-A-U-R-A smithauthor.com. On Instagram, I'm at laurasmithauthor. Those are the two best ways to find me. Um, Stephanie, you've talked a lot about like, oh, I wish I was in your Bible study or I'd love to hear you teach more. I come to places and speak. So if that's of an interest to anybody, there's a speaking tab on my website. I love, love to talk about the Bible and how good Jesus is. So great. I love great. opportunities to do that. Well, good. Come to Atlanta. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Atlanta or Denver. I live in both places. Oh, nice. Cool. <laughs> well, thanks so much for being with us. And I look forward to continuing these conversations and having you as a new friend. Yeah. Thanks so much, Stephanie. <laughs> Take care. Thanks for listening today. We hope you're inspired. And if you like the episode, please take a moment to go to your podcast platform and follow us and leave a review so more people can find us. Now go out and be the pivotal person that you are.